Festival podcast. Uh, we hope you're watching live each day on YouTube as well. Although if you are, you're probably not listening to the podcast. So welcome to the podcast version. Uh, sometimes the show and tells, particularly today, the show and tells uh, are a little bit more difficult in an audio medium, but you can also catch up visually on YouTube if you'd like. Today's guests are Reese Shearsmith, Nikesh Shukla and music from Rosie Plain, cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home to leave a tip in the tip jar, patreon.com slash bookshambles to support us at the Cosmic Shambles Network. Here's today's episode. Good morning. Welcome to Shambles Stay at Home yep. Festival. Hello. Uh, and uh, I should say that our guest, one of our guests today, has we've decided the best room anyone's broadcast from in the last 11 days. So you're going to find out who that is uh, shortly. How are you, Josie Long? I'm all right. I'm all right. I can't complain. I won't complain. I mustn't Good. complain. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I, uh, I've just had a three hour long uh, morning so far with my daughter where I turned around and she was stood on her little table painting, uh, scribbling on the wall. That was, it, it was a three second turnaround. How? <laughs> She's like this little imp. Um, yeah, so we did that. We um, we played a game where Sophie the giraffe wanted her to find and an, uh, animals and things of different colours. So we've really, really had a good day. Um, I'm exhausted. It's 10 a.m. How are you? Yeah. The thing that I'm enjoying most in this time, because obviously my, my, my son is, is considerably old. He's, he's, he's uh, 12. And uh, the, the, some of the things that we've got time for now, uh, he's, he already was an enormous fan of the sitcom Friends, which I'd never seen. I never saw that. And so, But the things that joy, uh, joyous are watching the young ones, which I mentioned already, and the delight when we watch uh, Friday Night Dinner. Uh, the delight of that laughter, which I think there's a certain age, there's a certain period of time where there is a certain laugh, a reaction every time Mark Heap comes on as Jim. And Mark Heap is one of the greatest. Guys. I mean, the whole thing is brilliant. I think it's an absolute work of art. And utterly, but our delight as we look at each other and go, oh, he's here. That's going to happen now. Something's going to happen now. This could be good. And also the lovely. And I, I do apologize. I've forgotten her name. She only died earlier this year. But um, Nana uh in friday night dinner a, a wonderful uh actor and she is so brilliant and and i hadn't realized uh, we, we'll, we'll check her i'm so sorry for forgetting her name um but uh, she was also in the original uh taste of honey production so it's a really oh, interesting wow. thing to see someone who started off playing you know a, a, a teenager and then you see her at the end of her career playing quite hilariously a wonderful kind of old grandmother eccentric grandmother character do you know what that reminds me of that reminds me of seeing a vet, uh the film of long day's journey into night into night and it's and it's got and i'm so sorry not to know his name but it's got the actor who then went on to play ziggy in um oh ziggy the computer in um quantum leap oh so for me dean like stockwell. as a child dean stockwell no dean not stockwell that's the leaper oh okay no dean's well dean stockwell's the one who keeps popping up and saying hey this is what you need oh, now it is. So i'm so sorry so, do what is not the point attack my me? dean stockwell no. Sons and lovers and onwards aren't oh, pretty annoying. It was such a thrill stuff. because, you know, as a child, I was watching Quantum Leap and then being like, wow, here he is young in this like proper play. Yeah. You should say it was by the uh, uh, Trent put it up. It's Francis Cooker. That was that was she died earlier this year. Uh, brilliant uh, actor, an incredible uh, uh, career as well. So that's what I'm. Um, well, should we do our show and tell? Should we? Uh, um, what have yes. you? 
You go first, please. Oh, okay. You go and find something in the room. I love these moments. <laughs> um, this is, uh, I showed it very, very briefly on Vitriola the other day. Uh, this is Inside Elvis by Ed Parker. I'm not, uh, I'm not like a huge Elvis fan. You know, I quite like Elvis and I once wrote a really bad essay uh, for a book about Elvis films, all about Roustabout, which is the one where he's also, uh, it should be brilliant. He's got a motorbike and he does karate, but he yeah. does very little karate and very little motorbiking. Uh, but Barbara Stanwyck's in it as well. And uh, so I do kind of have an interest in, in, in Elvis Presley, uh, but the reason I bought this is because this has, of, of all the bulk prints I've read so far, and I'm sure you know people will tell me that I'm wrong on this, but this has the best in terms of covering Elvis's interest in UFOs. So uh, this huh. includes some of the diagrams uh, that Elvis looked at to see how likely, uh, in the end, he was, I would say, a kind of UFO agnostic. That was his position. He had a long chat with uh, Ed West. But this has uh, this book, Inside Elvis by Ed Parker, has the best coverage of Elvis's fascination with UFOs. Um, and I should briefly mention that the episode <laughs> of Infinite Monkey Cage that we filmed a while ago, uh, well, back in January, um, all about UFOs, uh, is back up online now, and you can watch that again. That was great. We, I, I've, I found this fantastic. Um, if, if anyone's read Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World, the book of that, <laughs> There, at the beginning, there's a very, very brief uh, excerpt from a House of Lords debate about the likelihood of UFOs <laughs> and extraterrestrial visitation. It is brilliant. 1979, probably the best House of Laws debate ever, started by the Earl of Clankety. Well done for being the Earl of Clankety and having an interest in UFOs. And it is 38 pages of, in fact, I'm hoping to turn it into a kind of weird theatre piece where I'm going to get a bunch of people to become this well, debate about UFOs. How does one... It's, one, it's, it's all online, isn't it? The, the records of kind of yeah. what's been debated in, in the House of Lords. It, it's something I've never, I've sort of never really been aware of until li literally now like how exciting to think that you could just search the archives and find all kinds of ridiculous debates but uh, the, i've got to say I've, I've looked and the ufo one you know when you start at one of the very best and ah. then imagine it and then you go oh no it turns out we started with the number one uh ufo based debate and it's so what's brilliant is that is how literate as in terms of uh the, the the references and the phraseology and the you know suddenly at one point kind of you know throwing in a little bit of canton you know, and, and it's just an incredible you see these minds the minds very often of kind of i suppose uh predominantly men who uh well i don't really have anything to do so i'm going to collect beetles and have an enormous library and i'll be able to quote all manner of things what have you got so so a while back, a while back i was given this and i was thinking about it the other day because I, I i remember this past week we've had guests on they've been like oh i've had all this time to go through old boxes of things and i've been sort of thinking oh what a luxury and then last night i found the box of things what a thrill so um this is something that i was given by uh, the artist um and i feel absolutely ashamed that i can't recall her name but she came to my um gig uh this would be about 10 years ago and it's a cut out and keep an iron bevan uh doll with um a, an adventure booklet um including like oh no tory alert you can put it in the window <laughs> and stop them from ruining your broccoli um it will protect your patisserie it's um a convivial cohort soiree bonhomie that's always useful. 
um, office standard. It's just a really funny. Oh wow! And it's got stickers. I didn't even know it had stickers. <laughs> nice says unionize. Socialism rules. Okay. I mean, it's very much in my wheelhouse. But um, yeah, it's just a very funny, sweet thing. And I was thinking, if there ever was a time to display a figure of Nibevan in your window, it's now. So yeah, this is a very cool thing. The person who made it is her nomda. I don't know whether it's a plume if you're making, but her nomda. This is um Kath Arctic, but this is so old that it's got her MySpace and her Hotmail, and uh-huh. I just feel like you'd be writing out into the ether, wouldn't you? But yeah, have a look for her somehow online because this is something I treasure. That is beautiful. That is wonderful. And we will uh, now go straight. I bet someone who actually got dolls around the house, uh, probably of Lon Chaney Jr. and Senior, I would imagine, some of them with luminous heads. Uh, Reese Shearsmith. Hello, Reese. Uh, Reese Shearsmith. Hello, Hello Reese. Do you, do you have do you those? They used to be those models. I forget which company it was. They did Phantom of the Opera, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, they were the Aurora. Blow the Aurora. Blow the Yeah. I don't have one of the. I have got Lon Chaney's head over there. <laughs> you don't believe me. <laughs> uh, uh, there he is. Oh, wow. Actually, that... not Lanchet. It's Bella Lugosi. What am I talking about? It's Bella. Ah, uh, that is uh, oh, that, that's it's really so interesting. How different you kind of the, the the sense of that 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 phase. You've obviously the Lon Chain is somewhere else, isn't it? In in, in another yeah, of the rooms. Various things in this. This is my little magic room. Where, this is my little magic room where I come. And how are you? Because I know you did the new series of Inside Number Nine, haven't you? When yes, uh, when we did. When, yes, uh, we did. We, I know. Um, and sadly, we filmed for three days, and then we were pulled. So it was so annoying. Had we had we managed to get two more days, we'd have completed the first episode of Series Six. But we stopped. So uh, yeah, three days in, and it got stopped. It was, and it was going so well. I've been watching the rushes, and it was, uh, it was really good. So who knows when we'll be returning to it? But um, we'll have to remount. That's so deeply. I know. Yeah, it was all set. We had such great. You know, the whole thing was set. We were filming all of them now. So we had guest stars. We just about cast it all of it, and now it's all gone away. So we'll have to try to re gather the people if they're free again i mean i'm sure everyone will be free because everything's <laughs> up in the air isn't it? it's such yeah, a great week there's that um very weird uh edition of night of the living dead where because that was kind of in the you know people just seem to be able to get hold of it and make their own versions i don't know if you've seen it there was one version that was brought out with the original guy the original zombie in the graveyard right at the beginning where yeah. he is in it again they, they basically spliced it into the original film but he's now 35 years older huh. but playing the same part in the same i don't know if it, it's, it's a terrible dvd version of it but I'm, I'm imagining now that you know it was actually 30 years before they could start filming inside <laughs> number nine. We're using the first bit because we, we haven't got the money just to use that. Yeah. It's a terrible version of, of Night of the Living Dead. Um, but uh, I was wondering where, where the last series was, you know, magnificent as, as yep. ever. Yep. Do How much do you know or do you have a sense of what are going to be the episodes that really grab people? Because, I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the, the obvious example, I suppose, would be 12 Days of Christine, which I remember that night that it went out. And I remember seeing the just on, on social media, the, the sense of the impact that it had on people. Yeah, well, we I mean, we don't, to be I mean, honest, we don't, to be honest, a, a nice game that we play when we finally got all six because we know 
film them or know the order of which we will film uh, which we will broadcast them until right near the end of the you know the process really and we'll um have them and then we'll think right what's a good episode one and generally that's decreed by what we think is probably the broadest and funniest episode because despite the fact that for several years now they've not particularly been that funny <laughs> they uh it is purportedly comes out of bbc comedy so we think well one to ease you in if you've never seen it because we operate on the idea that no one still yet knows what it is so to have people watch it and think oh it's a sort of funny thing so uh we'll do probably if we can if we've got one we'll do one of the more ensemble episodes with a bigger cast of stars because that we think that will be what hook people in rather than me and steve and then and if it's quite funny as well so we'll try and do so the the football one was quite a good candidate to be episode one of this series and then uh then we'll do maybe one that is quite uh left field and, and different and might still surprise people so which is why we put in episode two of this series was the uh episode that we did that was a return to psychoville which was a great treat for people that knew it baffling i think for people that didn't although some people, <laughs> told, me, some people told me that they watched it and they got it and they'd never seen psychoville so i was very pleased that it operated on its in its own terms you know and then yeah so that that's but we never aware of anyone you know the, then the third episode was the one that was very low-key and was just um like a slice of life it was there was no great twist it was very different to anything we'd done it was very real almost improvised and yeah, that felt it, like, oh, exciting I'm to, to us because it was very different yeah i i wanted to that episode talk to because i loved it so much right, so yes, desperately yeah. and i listened to your podcast behind it and you were saying that actually it came kind of you wrote that one at the end of the series and it came out of, okay, well, what are we going to put together? It, it almost was sort of built out it, of very little. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was a, a cry in the dark of to, to do something that we'd not done before. It felt like we, we were looking in, in the world and looking at a story in, different, in a different way. So we just thought, let's just do, let's not have an amazing twist at the end. How about that? But it is and so a twist. Let's just do a, a very low-key, normal slice of life. There's no consequence particularly. There is a sort of story in there, but it's very buried, and you are expected to sort of eke it out like a, a, a winkle. You know, it's not. It wasn't a typical number nine in that way. And so that was. It suddenly felt very fresh to us. I mean, a lot of people hated it and said it was like an episode, bad episode of EastEnders. Oh my god! So I, I'd like to find anyone who said that. And so would I, Justin. And I am on the lookout. <laughs> I can't write the house at the moment, but when I get them. Do you know what we're going to do? Fine, we're going to stick a ready-made doll of Anara and Bevan right up their backside. <laughs> and that's what we're... Because it was... I, I loved... I, again, I think that is what was great about it. One is that what I always enjoy about your, 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 your writing together is the presumption that the audience are intelligent. Because in that episode, there are things where, as you said, there's, there's not a grand reveal, yeah. but there's a bit where five minutes later you go... Oh, I've just realised there was a review. You know, all of those yeah. things, which I, I I think are, you know, very hard things to do. They're not just tricks. They 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 are respect for the audience. Yeah, and and there were definite reveals and definite reveals and um, revelations that where you thought one thing and another thing very casually turns it on its head. Like for a few days into the advent calendar, because each episode was each little vignette was a day in the opening of the december of you know the run up to christmas and we just thought that would be a nice different way of 
of telling the story and then we will not open day nine and you'll wonder what happened on day nine but there are some things in there that where you think about for about four days you think that steve and um debbie rush are the characters um the, the, the little boy's mum and dad and it's not they're the grandparents and that's a small reveal but it is a significant reveal about three days in you think oh right he suddenly called them grandma and you but we hadn't revealed the fact that they were not the mum and dad so that was a that tells you a little bit about suddenly the family dynamic. And um, so there were things like that in there. And the actual reveal at the end was very buried and hidden. And people were going, what? What happened? <laughs> but that's if you're thick. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love about you. You really don't, at no point do you try and kind of you know, just, you know, sugar it. You just go, no, well, if you're an idiot, you won't have got that one. There's, yeah. there's a great line, which, I was, uh, which is about the greater the amount of imagination used, the smaller the audience you will find because right. people do have we were talking about twin peaks before you know which was yes. a success but the moment it then revealed who killed laura palmer people went oh well what's the point and then yeah. i think that is an interesting thing that if you watch something and your first reaction is what's this <laughs> then that's you know you, you need sometimes to come over a little bit further to someone else's vision and to be open to those kind of things yeah yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, the all we've ever wanted to do with the number nines, I mean, it's a slight rod for our own back now, but I, I don't feel that we are uh, restricted. I mean, one way we're restricted, but and, that, and that's one of the great um, sort of um, tools that we have in the fact that we are always contained in these nines that are very claustrophobic, you know, the story. Sometimes we've gone out of the room, gone somewhere into a different part of the, the building, whatever it might be, but that's that's kept as inventive as far as telling storytelling and how to tell a story that's, you know, that is confined and you were stuck in one place. And we've managed so far to not feel like there has to be, I know people watch them thinking it's only worth the last 25 seconds, but it is the story of getting there. That's the reason to watch it. You know, it's not just, I'll just tune in at half 10, see what that one was. <laughs> And not watch the whole thing. But uh, hopefully they're... And it's great. We got to... Uh, they commissioned two more series. Oh, really? fantastic. Like, we put this um, um, press release out. And I said, who knew when we started in 2014, we'd end up with more episodes of this than Country File. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's, it's just five episodes yeah. they made. We should do one that set like Country File. That would be a, a good twist. <laughs> I like your, your thing just of just turning turn. on at the end because I have to admit something that I do with uh, shows like uh, Lewis quite often and Morse is uh, much as I enjoy them, I don't have time for the whole two hours. So I start watching them on ITV3 plus one uh, <laughs> and then half an hour in I turn on to uh, ITV3 and that saves the hour in the centre. You know, it just gets me straight through to, oh, he was the guy that was cyanide and his, I, I get it. OK, it's a life um, hack. Just acknowledging yeah. that there's an hour of there's an hour of padding in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I'm just very impatient. I'm so impatient with thrillers. The, I, I wonder. I wondered what the reaction to because everyone I know loved Bernie Clifton's dressing room, but I wondered if that's partly because, of course, for comedians. There's an extra bit in that. There is that sense of, you know, all of it. I, I, you know, immediately I imagined, you know, two sides. I either imagine being at Michael Legg's funeral um, or the other version, which is a far more negative one for me, is you, Josie, uh, wandering around and seeing the drunken props that we wow. used to have from our shows. Oh, well, me at your, your funeral? Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought you just had assumed I'd go first, which, you know, is a fair assumption. I'm not looking after myself. Yeah, but I, I do completely. I, I think for comedians, it's got this added weight of like how kind of 
beautiful emotionally it is and you're like yes that's my life too um, yeah well i don't know i mean it was a it, that was, that, a, was an, it, that was that was an example of one that we thought was fine <laughs> and people really liked it a lot and more than we expected i think because we just thought it was completely out of the fact that we not up until that point done the two-hander i said to steve we should do one where it's just me and you we have never done one where it's just us two and even then we had sean in uh, gibson came in at the end but it was sort of ostensibly a, a two-hander we thought we could do this uh, it was difficult to embark on it thinking there's a very right and very wrong way to get this world right and it, we, we could easily get it slightly wrong and it would be annoying that for people that would that kn knew the world of not even 70s stand-up it was it was more 80s and that was what was even more slightly difficult about trying to get that that right and uh, i don't know whether we did but it seemed to resonate um and it felt true because it was what was unusual was to have the props department set mock-up old flyers that were from league of gentlemen flyers of me and steve when we were 20 and mm. so it did feel very authentically like well this is our this is like us and that that we drew on that and that was felt, that felt very um very emotional in a way. Do you I, feel? I, I, oh, sorry. You you go first. No, no, do Do you think a lot about the fact that you have been writing together for a long for decades now? And do you sort of have aspirations to be writing together for decades more? Like, do you ever think about you two writing as older men and how that might what that might mean for you? For you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're often talking about how we just plod on doing what we do when no one seems to be stopping us so um and i think you know we we will we seem very we're not seen we are very happy with the fact that it's it, we're allowed to do these i mean it's an amazing thing to think that we can literally have the opportunity to write a half hour little story and 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 film it and it's pretty much the way that we write it in a, in a room in north london and then it's undiluted us which is an amazing thing you know that's what you're hoping you will arrive at the point where you make a thing and it's not um, interfered with by execs that don't know it as well as you and you, you've got the you know some people might say well you need a few more hands who are you to be you need ed you need ed editing but these um, naysayers i know just one particular person <laughs> <laughs> um but no it's um and we do we do get notes and we do amend them accordingly and it's it, of course it, you know when that you've had a good note because it, 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 they highlight something that was niggling you anyway and you go yeah that is there was i knew there was something wrong with that and you've also pinpointed it so it must be there's obviously something the matter with that bit so we should amend it we don't willfully then not address things but yeah it's great and we will we will carry on writing i think as long as we wanted as a team and we we really enjoy writing together I don't really, I've never really written, it's always a means to an end to me to do it, to be in a thing and then play a part that no one else would have ever cast me in. So yeah. I just write these parts for myself. Would you ever, when you I kindly wrote a, a story for the Dead Funny anthology that we did a yeah. while ago with, with stories by many different kind of comedians and writers and Charlie Higson and Josie did uh, one and Sarah Pascoe and uh, and that is, a, you're very, very, you're the opening story in the book. It's a very a wonderful dark and then it has a punchline, which I think is maybe laugh out loud and, and gasp. Did you, and that was, I was amazed that that was the first time that you'd ever actually written uh, a story for, for, for a book, you know, you'd radio, film, television. Yeah. Would you go back to that ever, or is that just just for the fun of it, that was it? Yeah, it was more just the fun of it. I've not got a burning desire to sort of write a, to sort of write a, 
a compendium of um, short stories. It re- I found it really hard. Found it very difficult to do it and feel like it was worth anyone's time. You know, I thought it's got to be good. I think it wants to be. It, it, and I'm, so yeah, it was a new uh, experience to sort of feel like it was all, you know, as good as it could be, and 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 quite and scary and horrible because it was, you know, it had, to, it had a remit. But uh, yeah, I did enjoy doing it once I'd completed it. It was I was proud of it, but I didn't find it uh, easy. It wasn't just like oh yeah, I can do that as well. It was just it was much more difficult to write that than write dialogue and, and write a story via people acting out. You know, incident. I found it much harder. And are you now you have this kind of enforced downtime, a chance to go because I imagine you, your film collection, your archive huh. must be uh, like I just pulled out this. I don't know if it, you you've seen the BFI Flipside who do wonderful kind of uh, oh, weird. Yes. And and this is a, a couple of uh, supposed documentaries about about witchcraft about from the early seventies yeah, during the kind of yeah, witchcraft yeah. boom. And and so I, I, that that's my today's film. That so you have be go, right, what have you one, been watching? Yeah. Uh, I've been uh, I've been watching um, I've not seen all of it yet so don't say if you've seen it but I've got into watching Tiger Man that cat thing oh which, yeah which has been extraordinary it's very I mean, League of Gentlemen it's very League of Gentlemen yeah the world is so you never invent it I mean it's it's bizarre and it just each episode I don't know whether it's obviously designed that way but there is a when your jaw is further and further down and a new incident keeps happening it's and the, the revelations in it are extra amazing so i've been enjoying watching that and what does, uh, i've been watching tell me of, because i've 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 heard i've no King. idea what this is i've, I've, I've literally no uh, idea so can someone just give me the the, the bare bones of, of what's going to draw me into this go on josie Oh no! Oh I no! Like I you, feel like you'll do a better job than me. Well, I don't really. I mean, I've, what, I mean, I've, what, I've a few episodes in. It's a, a man that in America. They're in Texas or somewhere, aren't they? Or Oklahoma? I don't know where they are, but they collect. They have huge exotic cat collections. Illegal, I think, by the look of them. Uh, hundreds of tigers in these pens, and uh, it's the sort of feud between the two of these people that own these big cats. This woman that wants to preserve them, and she's very much—it's cruel what you're doing. And yet she's got one herself, and yeah. she has people go around it. And she's, she's got an interesting life. And then there's a revelation about her that turns everything on its head, and then it's back to him. And it's just each episode—they're 45 minutes—and each time a new thing happens. And it's over years. This documentary, I think, began about the film. I mean, Louis Theroux did someone something on the man. But the, I think it began filming and the archive footage of this whole world starts in about 2005 or something. And they've got him filmed for years, right until now. Well, that's and now I... he's in prison and, you don't, and I don't yet know what he's done. I think he might have murdered someone, but I think that we're getting there. Because <laughs> I've seen it about 10 years ago, which was like all those documentaries which involve those kind of things, which is when someone does get killed in the end, they go, actually, what he was trying to do is uh, he loved him so much. He was trying to protect him. And by trying to protect him, unfortunately, he ate out, out his jugular vein. And, and that's what killed him. But the tiger was because you can be friends with something despite the disparity in self-consciousness. Yeah. And it's like that. What's the what's the Werner Hertz or Grizzly Man? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. I saw nothing but that. Hunger. Uh, I looked into, I looked the, into uh, the eyes of the bear and I saw nothing but the cold indifference of hunger. Yeah. 
<laughs> we better. I think I was going to go on until our connection failed. Um, Reese, if it's okay, we'll come back to you. Uh, yes, of shortly. But um, Josie, we have we... who is joining us now? Oh, we have. Oh, we a... have such a great show. We have every guest is an absolute delight, and we're going to hear some songs now um, from a wonderful songwriter and singer and musician um, who I think is ready. I can see her on her screen, um, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone, please welcome Rosie Plain. Rosie Plain. Hi, 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 hi. How are you? Yes, good. How's it going? Nice to see you. You too. And um, you're just down the road from me, aren't you? You're in Hackney as well. Yeah, neighbours. Yeah. Clapton. Although again, absolutely a moot point. <laughs> um, uh, what are you going to play for us today? And have you got an object to show and tell? I have. Shall I do that now? I've, mine's not very good. Oh, I thought sort of, I'd been looking around for another one. Mine was my foot one day. I'm oh, Mine is a bag of hooks. Mine is a bag of hooks because <laughs> I've been going absolutely mental for hooks. I've been screwing in hooks all over the place. I love hooks. It makes the world of difference. Yeah. Look, this is a bag of 24 and I just counted. I think there's like um, 10 left, which means I've put in 14 hooks. And, uh, oh. yeah. that this having started off by talking about inside number nine, the mm. obsessive hook placement, I can only see as a setup for a terrible revelation. Uh, yes, what I'm, yes, what I'm actually doing is, uh, yeah, I'll reveal it later. I'll reveal it later what I'm doing. Yeah, you've got to leave it for the last minute. That's how. And <laughs> um, what are you going to play for us today? Um, I'm going to play a song called Symmetrical because I realised the first line is um, alone in a room. So it seems fitting for these times. I hope um, I've made a little thing to try and play along to. So I hope it um, can be picked up. Wave your arms around if uh, if it's not. <laughs> okay, hang on. Here I go. Thank you. 
It's such a joy, to, a joy hear. to hear your voice. That's wonderful. And you'll, you'll be back at the end as well, I think. Is that okay? Yeah, man. Fantastic. Fun. Thank we'll you. We'll see you at the end. Um, and uh, just quickly mention, by the way, I haven't mentioned it today. Uh, also, there is a tip jar uh, on this. We are collecting with all the different shows that we're doing. Hopefully, uh, you enjoy them enough that some of you, if you have a little bit of spare cash, will think, oh, do you know what? That was worth something. And what we're doing is we're collecting that money and uh, we're creating a kind of resource for a lot of the people who've had all of their work cancelled, all the kind of performers yeah. and artists that we know uh, who really I've never is- had it. It's a really weird thing to have an entirely empty diary. I still get every day a new email saying, oh, there we go. Now I've, that's the end of July then. That no longer exists. Oh, August, August. August is gone. I was counting the months. I was like, okay, so April, May, June, July, August, all of that is gone. Yeah. And my new job is cleaning up after a two-year-old, which I love. But um, yes, good, great. Let's uh, so forge ahead. I to erase red rum this off wall. the wall that she'd just drawn. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> Why has anyway, she got so, to win? <laughs> I, I should say that, that basically the resource, it's uh, it, it's actually, for the, there are quite a few performers who are kind of hitting the wall of this. So, so we're building up a resource for them. And also we're trying to get a resource as well to try and make sure that we can keep some of the, uh, uh, some of the art centres, some of the smaller art centres in smaller communities where they are a hub for uh, the community as well with many other things going on in them to try and create some money so we can send it to them as well. So that's kind of what we're doing is to, in, in a very small way, trying to keep some of the arts world, which hopefully many of you enjoy, keep something going on in it. I've worked, I've worked out, out why so many YouTubers are so angry and have such terrible views. And it's because much as I love doing this, I really miss being on stage. And what they don't realise is they're only getting a little bite of the true joy of performance. <laughs> so they're always unfulfilled. Um, now, I'm really, really thrilled to introduce our last guest today. Um, he's a brilliant author. He's a screenwriter. He's an activist. I, I don't know whether the term activist people sort of use it in like, I don't know, but he's an activist and he's done incredible things. And he's also a brilliant friend. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, welcome Nick Ashley. Hey. Hey. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good. good. Thank you. How are you? How are you finding this first kind of couple of weeks of, uh, were you were you in a period where you were doing talks or were you in a period already of a kind of uh, the solitude of writing? I've had all my, I've had all my teaching cancelled. I've had all my events cancelled and my next book was out in September. And um, because <clears throat> a lot of the books that were due out now, you know, uh, publishers are pushing them till the autumn, which is only fair because, it, you know, you want books to come out when people can actually go into shops and talk to booksellers about them and buy them. So my next book's been pushed till next February. So, yeah, I've got a clear diary. I'm trying to write, but everything feels frivolous at the moment <laughs> when you kind of match it up with what's going on so what, what I'm doing at the moment is I'm working on a novel that I've wanted to write for a really long time that is not under contract I'm sort of writing with, without consequence at the moment which is really nice like I don't need it doesn't need to be brilliant enough to impress my agent or an editor or anyone else it just it just needs to be the thing it needs to be and that for me is really nice and it kind of feels like a comfort like, and I've discovered the joy of writing again, huh. which is really nice. My favourite bit, I have to admit, it's a terrible thing to say because I realise for a lot of authors this is, but for me, the one little recompense that I go, definitely the deadline for the book that I was never going to finish in June <laughs> is no longer June. But the yeah. bad side is I'm so surrounded by books and, and changing everything that I thought the book was going to be about. So even though I wasn't going to deliver a manuscript that was going to be uh, five times too long like I did last time, really sorry, publisher, I've become... <laughs> I'm at my favourite bit, which is going, ideas, 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 least favourite bit, editing. What do you find? Some people I know love editing. Oh. I hate it. It drives me mad. Uh, I've, been really uh, lucky. I've been really lucky to work with some really great editors. And, and I think over the years I've just worked out that when an editor makes suggestions, they're, they're not them telling you this is what you need to do. They're, they're basically they're being a facilitator to kind of help you get the book to where you need it to do. I like... But I have like brilliantly weird conversations with with editors. Like my my editor for my last novel, the one who wrote Destiny. Um, I remember in one of because um, there's a lot in the book that's about like the Hindu Hindu um, concept of destiny and reincarnation. And my editor, like there was a bit that wasn't very clear. And in his notes, my editor um, decided to illustrate his point using Harry Potter, which at the time really irked me because I really hate it when people compare things to Harry Potter. And what I did was, um, and we didn't know each other very well at the time. So what I did, incensed by the Harry Potter comparison, <laughs> was I cut and paste his comments 
and I put them into the novel and I put them as something that a Reddit user says when this when the the character ends up on like a deep dive of the internet. <laughs> and when he came to editing it, it was like bit bit passags, Nikesh. <laughs> and we had a really like but it sort of facilitated having a really great relationship. I basically had to troll him in order um to get us to to really like bond. Um but I really love I really love having great conversations with editors um because they're kind of they're, they're on your side and all they're doing is trying to help you get better mm. i wanted to climb it with um in terms of uh, the viewpoint people have seeing social media and comments and some of the unfortunately that you know the, the the lead trends are nearly always some kind of you know ghastly gargoyle of a, of, of a journalist paid to you know be be vapid and and venal and vile again and um it's interesting seeing a disparity because I know that after the Good Immigrant came out and 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 since then, you, you have been in terms of the amount of trolling you get, you know, has has you know you could see the world. I would imagine at times as a very negative thing in terms of, but at the same time, I think at the moment I'm seeing a lot of positive stuff. So, and I wondered what your experience is at this point uh, as someone who has had uh, quite a lot of trolling in in the past. Whether you are seeing any rays of sunshine in in what's happening at the moment in terms of seeing the positive people come out as well, come out as well. Um, I tell you what, I was feeling very positive about the internet until last night. I did a live stream event with my friend Riz Ahmed and Fatima Bhutto and Rupi Kaur and oh my god I woke up to a lot of eugenicists sending oh. Wikipedia links um, to, to illustrate their point and I sort of think dear Mr Eugenicist if if your if your way of proving that race science is a thing is uh, if your source is Wikipedia I don't know if you've done your homework my friend but do you also feel, feel I really feel- as if the <sighs> The power that those people one time had is so even more depleted now in terms of it's so stark, the difference between you guys, like a novelist, a poet, uh, an actor and a rapper writing together, uh, making something really beautiful and thoughtful together that's worthwhile and adding. And then just sort of this idiocy surrounding it it's so the the difference has never been more stark and clear and those things have never felt more uh, fake in a in a way do do you know what I mean yeah I'm quite sort of I I don't know I hope that that everyone on earth is feeling that way now you know but I suppose evidently there's still some people clinging on to whatever the hell they're trying to yeah uh, but, I mean, but I mean, what's nice is like the level of trolling hasn't increased, given that a lot of people have a lot more time on their mm. hands. Um, but then I, I, I think I've also been quite—I I don't know—I've not. <laughs> it's not really been the time where I've been putting out provocative tweets about wanting equality uh, that, that people have had to respond to. Um, so yeah, but apart from that, yeah, it's very. It's very weird being stuck at home with two very energetic two uh, children. I've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old, and we're all so bored. Mm. <laughs> and and today, like, I, I managed to get an online shop, and just before coming on, I got an email from them saying, we've managed to find all of these things except the Easter eggs, and now I have to break <laughs> it to my children that Easter is cancelled. Mm. <laughs> I feel sad. The best thing to say is that the bunny got me. That's it. That's that. Definitely. <laughs> the, um, Happens you- I can actually hear my daughter, hear my daughter crying. crying in the next room as we're saying that, and my heart is just like pulling out that way. Oh um, no! I've realised even more how.
number nine because the <laughs> is we get four different screens. This resembles various different ones. We've got the hooks <laughs> being built up, the child crying. These, oh man, this is it's not going to end well. Um, and uh, I'm going to move to ITV3 and see how this ends in advance. Um, uh, uh, Nikesha, have you got a show and tell for us today? Yeah, I've picked out a bunch of things. So, first thing, so first um, thing, um, this is uh, my mum learned Bharatanatyam dancing when she was like 10 at school, and I've got her ankle bell, which is I found um, because my friend, uh, an actress called Balavi Sharda, um, is going to teach my children Bharatanatyam dancing over Skype tomorrow morning. So, we were just sort of pulling everything together. And, and also, I picked out a bunch of books that might be that people might enjoy reading. Um, Gary Steingart's Super Sad True Love Story, which is the, one of the funniest books I've ever read about a post-event dystopia. Um, Lost Children Archive by Va- Valeria Luiselli, which won the Folio Prize, which is the best book about um, illegal immigration and the, what's happening at the Mexican, Mexican border that I've ever read. If you just want some beautiful prose um, on Earth by We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean mm. Vuong, it's just sentence by sentence the most beautiful book i have read in my life and you know what this is a bit of a this is probably not appropriate but appropriate read for now station 11 by emily johnson <laughs> john sinjin or st john mandel is about how humanity builds itself back up after a pandemic and it's it's a beautiful book about survival and humanity and it's really beautiful and i think people should read it now i think i know a lot of people have been like oh we shouldn't read it it's quite bleak but actually you know out of the bleakness comes some really beautiful moments and even the road when i read it i was like this is such a loving and tender book i mean obviously i probably wouldn't advise (laughs) reading that now but you know I, i love it when people manage to get something stark and then build build onto it thanks for doing that it's really nice to get tips of things that might be beautiful and indulgent at this sort of time you've been doing um writing Sorry, i was just workshops. quickly while we're on the tell show and tell, i just think that reese has a show and tell that we haven't done oh, yeah. yet Sorry. and we were talking about things we that were, 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 were beautiful and i believe that he has something very beautiful for his show and tell um um i don't think it's the thing you're thinking <laughs> <laughs> oh. metal, metal hip Oh, is that what you've pulled out? Yeah. Well, oh, I thought you were going to show the... Oh, the monkeyers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got. Uh, they're all on the floor here. I'll show you them. That first of all is a metal hip. Look at that. They don't do them anymore, but that's titanium. It goes into the bone, and there's your joint. And we Where did some, you get it? Um, my wife's friend was a doctor, and he had them, and she had them around the house as doorstops. <laughs> that's a stone there. <laughs> um, there's the homunculus from the League of Gentlemen film. Oh, which just which is such... stop motion. It all moves. It's all, there's an armature inside, so that's beautiful. It was going to be thrown in the bin, and I saved it. <gasps> do, do you have a favourite thing where you go? Like, we have now got the power where we can ask people to make a thing and it now really exists. It's solid. Our imagination has become yes. something that. That's amazing. That's amazing. But the, the my actual show and tell was remember in the, um, the before time is when we could go out. <laughs> and I, when we first did our uh, League of Gentlemen tour, in the first tour we did in 2003, I think. No, 2000. We all got sent, me, Mark, Steve and Jeremy got sent effigies from the Wicker Man. 
there were these little dolls and I was, I think I was Lord Samurai with a long black wig and uh, Steve got the Salmon of Knowledge and we were all these weird little characters. We didn't like them. They seemed like they were, I don't know, cursed. So we got rid of them. <laughs> but also, around that time, I was sent this and this is, if you can see here, it says left leg. And that is a piece of the Wicker Man itself. <laughs> Wow. Bit of the left leg. It says left leg. I, I was told. It's so like thought, Berlin Wall. I know it is, yeah. It might just be a bit of lolly stick. Who knows? But to me, <laughs> it is a piece of the Wicker Man. And so when I was invited by John Landis to go and have lunch with Sir Christopher Lee, uh -huh. I took this because I thought, I've got to show him now. and This will never happen again. So I took him this. And he wrote on the back, to Reese. This is genuine, Mr. Oh. So suddenly, now, regardless of whether it is or isn't, it is genuine because it's <laughs> but, signed by Lord Sunderland himself. That is so magnificent. When you think that, so that, that it's been given the papal seal of approval. Exactly, that is yeah. the equivalent of, you know, they, they used to sell straw from the manger, didn't they? And, and, and yes, the, yeah. the, the nails that had been through Jesus. And you now have the, 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 the contemporary equivalent. Yeah, anointed. So that was it. It was like, well, that's it. Now, it's, it, even if it wasn't, it is now. It's really magnificent. I love these bits. It's like Alan Moore has a small his bones i believe uh, that was given to him but that was left over after he was cremated and someone went alan would probably but alan's the kind of person who can look after that well what you can do with that is you can, is you pop, can it in, pop it in some hot water and make yourself some lovely hallucinogenic tea yeah. <laughs> um, this reminds me of a film which i saw um which i really loved um which i hadn't seen due to having a baby prior um which is can you ever forgive me is that the, what it's called um, about yeah. literary forgers yes, and about the yeah. certificates of authenticity it, with Richard E. Grant and that incredible actress that I can't remember her name, but I love her. Oh, but um, have a look. I am so inhabiting Melissa, being a mum already. Melissa yes. McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy, thank you. Yeah, um, I really recommend it. It's fun, it's interesting, and it's a really good yarn. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Nikesh, in terms of you, so you're, you're, you're that juggling at the moment of, of getting the uh, of, of, of creativity and now, you know, full on fam family existence. How do you manage? To, is, is, is there technique that you've managed to work out in the family? So because I think it's very hard with writing. But you can't just I think also people who don't do it, don't write. You can't just sit down and go, I've got a spare half hour. Yes. There's this weird run up period of procrastination that then goes. <laughs> and now blah, 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 blah. oh, there we go. And that's it. And I think I'm, in I'm really good. Sorry, I'm really good. good at, I'm really good at shouting. This is what <laughs> I've learned. I've just been shouting a lot. Um, no, uh, you know, streaming platforms like Disney Plus are a godsend at the moment. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, we've just had to like routine turn our days into a routine. Uh, like, we've had to enforce routine upon ourselves. So I get to be creative between 9 and 12. Uh, you are eating into my creativity time um, <laughs> at a shambles. Uh, and then lunch, and then I'm with the kids until 4 o'clock, when I'm, I then seem to spend from 4 till 7 on Zoom. And I've got one episode left on Tiger King. And just when you think it can't get any weirder, like, in the last 30 seconds oh, of each episode, they just drop a new thing. And you're like... <laughs> and so I've got an episode left of that. So, um, yeah, we're just there's just a structure today. I may even be interrupted by a child or by um, the Easter egg list delivery at any point. Um, I don't know. It's 
I don't know. <laughs> Did you ever find yourself well. reading back well. where, because I found <laughs> the second book that I wrote, I kind of hammered away like, like I was Jack Nicholson in The Shining, but with a greater variety of words. And <laughs> and then I sent it in and then I looked back and I went, this is gobbledygook. This <laughs> makes no sense because I'd written it on tour. I'd written it while distracted. And in my mind, it made sense. And I literally had to send an email immediately to the publisher saying, don't open the file. And it was too late. And every now and again, the head of the, the, the book company set, looks at me after a couple of drinks, goes, I was one of the ones who saw the original manuscript, right? As a kind of vague <laughs> sense of threat. <laughs> Have you ever had that where you look back and you go, that makes no sense. I've just realised now. Just realised now. Yeah, my first novel. Um, but but it's, it's because you're, you're always getting better um, or you're always, the more stuff sits with you, the, the more the more you realise what it's about. Um, I, th- I, th- I think it's attributed to Oscar Wilde, but novels are never finished. They're only ever abandoned. And I, and I, <laughs> and I, really, I really believe that because I can move commas around on my no- novels till 2025. I don't know. Um, I, but I really remember sending in a draft to uh, an agent of a novel that became the one who wrote Destiny. That was just nonsense. <laughs> it was utter nonsense. I had this brilliant idea that I was going to write entire novel in the way that my dad tells stories and most dads tell stories, which is like long, <laughs> full of pointless tangents, <laughs> pausing to go for the longest piss ever. I would love times. that. <laughs> It sounds it sounds fun, but on paper it was just nonsense. And um, I'm really glad she told me it was nonsense. Well, not in not in those exact words. And it gave me like ten more years to write it because when I did write it, I could, I'd kind of figured it out. But yeah, that that version of the one who wrote Destiny was just utter nonsense. How does it, it work with like things that. like? Do you find that you you've had? you do something like that you've written the draft it didn't work then do you just kind of leave it and eventually you decide to come back to it or do you how do you how does that work that you've now written the novel differently and you know it's brilliant what was the process in between well i fired her on the spot (laughs) (laughs) no no um she she came back and she she had lots and lots of stuff to say about it and I started working on it and and I think something in me would just knew that this wasn't the thing that I was going to do at this point and so I just put it to one side and then I ended up writing my second novel which was this sort of novel about grief and the internet and um, Twitter being like this sort of place where we kind of present false versions of ourselves and then we have to enact those false versions of ourselves in real life um, which kind of was something that I'd been thinking about a lot and it just sort of came a lot easier to me than this other thing, which was sort of thematically because it was a multi-generational, multi-decade novel. It just needed time, it needed that time within me. And then I kind of came back to it a couple more times. Um, and so it was always there in the background and she did, you know, they was always asking like, what's happening with that thing? And it was only after The Good Immigrant when I spent like, half of 2016 and 2017 on trains traveling from bristol to do events about the around the book i just suddenly had all this sort of i love writing on trains there's something like something magic about it i'm so jealous (laughs) all i do on trains is sit stultified melancholy looking at the scenery that's all i can do and i get so many trains 
Um, Reese, we've we 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 you were saying about writing characters that uh you know that you think well I want to play that. Do you f- were there any characters I, I suppose in terms of of the recurring characters of Psychoville or, or or League where you really went oh good today I become this person again was there someone that you really loved inhabiting the skin of inhabiting the skin of um i always enjoyed playing um in league of gentlemen playing jeff the character the businessman he's a very cross <laughs> character but um i enjoyed doing him i missed the one and returning to play just for a very brief scene in the inside number nine cycle when i played mr jelly <laughs> that was fun as well. I mean, some people would say Jeff and Mr. Jelly are the same, but one <laughs> clown makeup and one isn't. <laughs> and that is probably true. But yeah, so they they were always enjoyable to do. It was great to do the variety of characters in uh, the sketch show world that we did when we did League. You don't, we've not done it for many years now, but that was always a joy to do the anniversary specials and return to a day when we would have like four characters each and you would flip between them. And then it was then it became a novelty when we didn't do that anymore. We would do our number nines where you're one character for the week, and that's like, wow, this is luxurious, you know, just to be able to not not have to do all these makeup changes. But uh, yeah, young man's game doing all that, all those costume changes. <laughs> Does it change though? Which does... characters change when you've actually you know done a live tour? And I mean, it is quite remarkable the noise people make with certain. You know, I mean, the, the obvious example would be the moment people hear any hint of Papa Lazarou. That, <laughs> that, 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 that is your smells like Teen Spirit. That is that, that's your losing my religion. Hey, everyone goes. But do you did you find with other characters like oh now I see the way that people feel about them. It, does it change the way that you feel about them? Well, it was. I mean, remarkable. it was. I mean, remarkable to me, genuinely, that I thought when we did our tour into twenty eighteen, I think we did a, the the return to the live stuff after having done the anniversary specials. That there would be, we'd maybe get two or three nights somewhere in a theatre, and we did like forty seven dates, and there were arenas, and it was. It seemed bigger and more loved and cherished, and. Uh, there was such an overwhelming love for the characters in the room again. It was very strange that these people had kept this this gallery of grotesques alive for 20 years. It was extraordinary to me. And, yeah, it, it did. You never get that feeling. You know, you make a thing and it's on telly. Your mum will ring you up and say she saw it. And uh, that's it. You don't really have a sense of that. And that, that, that was what was overwhelming about seeing that because you finally got sort of an idea of, like, wow, these they really know these these characters and they're all horrible but people seem to like them i went your live show on my 18th birthday i think in 2000 or i should be like in 2018 (laughs) (laughs) i've never forgotten it It was such a wonderful show like i think it it just is such a meaningful series to people and whenever i think about um what I love about good comedy on TV, I always think about um, League of Gentlemen for the detail, the visual details and the amount of visual jokes in every episode. I just, the, the richness of the world is just so like brilliant and remains so, I think. And we it's tried, ca- yeah, to sort of, well, to just give it something that would, something. Bear, that would bear repeated viewing, you know. And, and weirdly, I don't think Royston Vasey, if anything, it's even more... You know, it's prescient. We, we we became it strangely. It doesn't feel like oh, that's a nineties show to me. I mean, maybe obviously it is, but it was. I, I look at it and I think, yeah, this still sort of still holds up. It's so sort of um, 
it's almost like science fiction. That world seems to have been created and is set in a, a timeless place that you just sort of still buy now, I think. It doesn't feel like, oh, that's unwatchable. A lot of comedy, I think it is, but... I hope, anyway, I don't know. People de definitely have kept it alive longer than I ever imagined those characters to be uh, worth their time. But I'm very pleased that they have. I do remember the moment of uh, uh, someone once got in contact with me said, in, in our front room. We do gigs in our front room every now and again. And I liked sometimes just taking the risk of strange things just outside Huddersfield. And then as I'd made the journey, I thought I'm going into a stranger's house. And then I found out it was the town where uh, the local shop was built, where you filmed a yeah. local shop. Oh, so right. then it also oh, had... Yeah, that's it. And, and so that on the hill, there there would was once the local shop, and I was going to play a gig in someone's, you know, just and it looked very much like one of the normal houses in Royston Vasey as well. So yeah, um, add a wow. little frisson of uh, excitement. And that was twenty five years ago, and he's just just been released. released. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think we should probably. Um, I, I think we are coming to the end of our time, which is so heartbreaking because we should just all this, all do this all day. We can all play Fortnite; it'll be great. Um, I don't even know what Fortnite is. That, that's <laughs> when we know that the YouTube element has really. <laughs> as a 51 year old man decide to start a channel where i start screaming and making noises while i'm playing Fortnite, which is kind of what my, my son likes watching and and i find agonizing that must be the equivalent of if my parents were what on earth is awful noise if i was listening to the clash or something for me it's a a, a, a man who shouldn't really be still playing Fortnite, playing Fortnite with the level of uh, adrenaline that is not required <laughs> Um, so uh, what we're going to do, do to finish the show is we're going to go back to Rosie. Uh, Rosie, um, Hello. how's it going? Yes, good. Alive. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's what we're hoping for. Yeah. Tick. Um, okay. What will happen? Is everyone coming back afterwards or shall I say goodbye now? No, we can all just say goodbye at the end. Unless people okay, want to great, go, great, if you need great, to go, great, 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 great. we'll say just in case anything does go. Okay. Say thank you, Nikkei. Uh And uh, but we may well come back as well. We'll just find Brilliant. out what happens with the connection. Okay. See you. Okay. See you. See you. See you in a bit. This is a song called "The Gap." I hope it works again. Moving away, moving away. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much for coming on with me. It's brilliant. Oh, pleasure. Thanks for having me. People can find your stuff at Bandcamp, can they? Can they? Or, yeah. And basically, how can people best support you as an artist in this unusual, this unusual time? Well, I don't know. I I find it really tricky this bit because it's like um. I yeah like it's really cool I don't I haven't even quite sort of formulated my own opinion totally about it but like it's really amazing and important that people can sort of be supporting people that can't work and it I feel really but I also feel really sort of um I feel really sort of conflicted because there's just loads of people that are self-employed that, or, you know, just loads of people that can't work and don't have any way of people saying, please support me while I yeah, can't I work. And it, you know, and it, and it sort of feels tricky. They're just, I don't, yes, I'm, I feel, um, feeling tricky about it, but, um, up for quids. <laughs> So, good, there we go. There, there was a twist at the end of that. Uh, as they say, it ain't over till the small lady asks for banana biscuits. That's the old saying. Uh, tonight, uh, we're back at 6pm, or I'm back at 6pm. I have Katie uh, um, Mack, who has written an amazing book about uh, all the different science of how we believe the universe might end. Uh, also, Lem Suse and uh, Laura Kidd, who uh, used to be She Makes War and has now got a new venture. But Lem's book was one of the the best books I read last year. It was fantastic. So I'll be talking about the end of the universe. We'll talk about the nature of childhood and loads of other things at 6pm. And tomorrow at 10am, we're back with uh, Ed Byrne, Susie Gage and Lost Voice Guy. Thank you. Again. Thank you very much. Because my daughter's taken them. But it was a real joy to talk to everyone. And I wish we could do it for hours and hours. And um, yeah, thank you. I'm going to unplug my headphones. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home to catch up on all the previous episodes, find out who's coming up on upcoming episodes, and to leave a tip for acts and artists and venues who are hit hardest at the moment. And if you'd like to support us at the Cosmic Shambles Network, patreon.com slash bookshambles. Oh, festival.